give Jesus another praise. Amen. Amen. You look good. Tell the person next to you, you look good here. Amen. Amen. Father, we ask you to anoint your word tonight. We thank you for allowing us to be here on this Wednesday night. It's a privilege to be in your house, Father. It's a privilege to worship you and to lift up your name. I just pray you to rest our minds tonight. Lord, I know you've got a word for us tonight that's going to build us and grow us and challenge us. And I just ask you to take authority over the, the battles in our minds. And Lord, help us to be focused for a few minutes so that we can grow and mature in you. And we thank you for the power of the, of the word of God tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk about impact tonight. Amen. If you're taking notes and if you've got your Bibles, I believe that this is going to be a, a fantastic discipleship message. How many disciples do I have in here? Let me see the hands if you're a disciple in this place. Amen. And if you're not yet, you're going to learn that we are all called to be disciples. Amen. And so this is going to be a great, growing, learning message, I believe. And as we think about the word impact, we're going to be in just a minute in Matthew 5. As we're going to start off. I'm just going to be in two places in Scripture tonight. But I want us to think about the word impact. And I'll get back to that in just a moment. The word impact. And right before I tell a story that I think is going to give us a good example, how many know that we have all been impacted by somebody? Okay, by something. And uh, I want to focus tonight on the positive impact. Because we've all been also impacted in ways that are negative. Um, but I want to focus on the positive tonight. I want to focus on how people have impacted our lives in a certain way. And, and during this, I'm going to give you some homework that's going to be just for you. It's not going to be for anybody else. I want you to, uh, during this, don't do it now, but I want you to be thinking of some people. And maybe even as we go through this message, you will have those people come to your mind uh, who have impacted your life in a powerful way. And have, wanted, have caused you to want to serve the Lord more. I, I found a really good story. And if you'll just uh, make sure you, and I know on Wednesday nights we're tired. It's the middle of the week and, and we can, our minds can drift. But if you don't get this story, you're not going to get the rest of, of the message. So try to stay with me. Try to use your imagination as I tell a quick story here. And uh, this is, and it, we can really easily get off because of what I'm going to talk about because it's beautiful. So a quiet forest dweller lived in a high Austrian village along the eastern slopes of the Swiss Alps. Just picture that right there, all those beautiful mountains. This old gentleman had been hired many years ago by the town council to clear away the debris from the pools of water up in the mountain crevices that fed the lovely spring flowing through their town. How many are imagining this with me? With faithful, silent regularity, he patrolled the hills... He removed the leaves and branches. He would wipe away the, the, the silt that would otherwise choke and contaminate the, the flow of the fresh water down the river and through the springs. And because of this silent, quiet man doing his job, the village became a very popular attraction for tourists. Lots of people would go spend their vacations there because it was so beautiful. Swans would float across the crystal clear spring. You could picture the mill wheels turning in various businesses where the water was. Farmlands were naturally irrigated. And the view from the restaurants were picturesque beyond description. How many are there with me right now over in the Swiss Alps? Not in Denton, Texas. Amen? Hopefully you're not still here thinking about tomorrow. 
Years passed, and this great place was experiencing this beauty. And one evening, the town council met, and they were getting together for their semi-annual meeting. And as they reviewed the budget, one of the men on the, on the committee, caught the, his eye caught the salary amount that was being paid to this obscure, quiet, unknown man. So the treasurer said, who is this old man? Why do we keep him on year after year? No one ever sees him. I've never met him. For all we know, this stranger is out in the hills just taking our money and not doing anything for us. I don't think we need him anymore. By a unanimous vote, they dispensed with the old man's services and fired him. For several weeks, nothing changed. But by early autumn, the trees began to shed their leaves. Small branches began to snap off and fall into the pools of water, hindering the rushing flow of sparkling water. One afternoon, someone noticed a little bit of yellowish-brown tint in the spring water. A few days later, the water, and the, uh, the water was even darker. A few weeks later, another week passed, sorry, and slimy film began to cover the water. And now the water was moving slower, and it was finally coming even to a halt. There was no more clean spring water. The swans left. So did the tourists. Disease and sickness began to fill the village. Quickly, the embarrassed council called a team meeting. Realizing their major mistake in judgment, they hired back the old keeper of the spring. Within a few weeks, the river of life began to clear up. The wheels began to turn again. Life began to return to its vivid, vivid beginning again. And in time, the, the springs began to uh, clean that Swiss village again. And, and people began to come back and fill that place with tourism again. And it returned to its beauty. See, that picture of that man is exactly what the picture is of you and I in this world. A lot of times as, as believers, we don't believe we're making an impact. We don't believe we're making a difference. But wait until the day comes when we're pulled out of this world. and Watch what happens to this world when there's no longer, even sometimes what it seems, the silent Christians who are standing in the earth and, 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 and holding their own and making an impact on other people. How many see the picture there? Nobody saw that man. He wasn't known to anybody, but the things he was doing up in that village and up in those forests to keep the water flowing, to keep things happening, was, was, was very, very necessary for that place to function. And the church of Jesus Christ is that person today. We have to make an impact, and we are making an impact, and we've got to realize that today. Sometimes you might think, man, I'm not doing anything. But if we were to take you out of your place where you are right now, even though it seems small, things would begin to change. Amen? So I want you to realize how much of an impact you can make tonight. Now, the impact word has this, says this, have a strong effect on someone or something. That's the simple definition of impact. To have a strong uh, um, uh, impact or effect on someone or something. So I mentioned how many have been impacted by somebody. Now, let's look in the scriptures at Matthew chapter 5. Some really clear verses here, verses 13 to 16, that Jesus used to give an analogy of exactly what that story was. I told that story for us today to understand how important that one person behind the scenes was. Because you know what? A lot of times there's many people in the church who think, 
I'm not doing anything. I'm not, I'm not important. I'm not necessary. And those people found out real quick how necessary that man was. I'm talking about the people who pray. I'm talking about the people who give. I'm talking about the people who serve. And they're not looking for it. Watch out, she just fell out of her chair. Now I'm talking about the people who, who, don't, who are not afraid to. You guys want to? Father, we thank you for touching her body right now. In Jesus' name, Father. Just touch her body, Father, right now. Yeah, give her, give her room. Jesus. Just pray, church. Just pray, church. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. That's just a demonic spirit fighting her. Don't worry about it. We're going to, just a few people. We don't need too many people out there. They'll pray for her. Amen. That's just a demonic spirit fighting her. Amen. Let's take authority over it. Father, we bind that spirit right now. In Jesus' name, devil of darkness, demons of darkness, you loose your hand off of her right now. We command you to loose your spirit of fear and doubt of her body right now. In Jesus' name, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. You have no power. You have no authority over that young lady's life. And we declare healing over her mind. And that every spirit of darkness has to flee right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we take authority over it. Father, we thank you for your power and your strength in the name of Jesus right now. We pray. Amen. 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 Pastor Mario, just make sure the right people are out there. Thank you. Amen. Let's stay focused. Amen. The devil's a liar and he's defeated. With this, that's nothing abnormal. Amen. That's just the spirit of the darkness fighting her. Sister, is that sister? Sister, is that her sister? Okay, don't worry. She's going to be all right. That's just the devil fighting her. Amen. All right. So, Matthew chapter 5, let's try to stay focused, amen? Verse 13, we've talked about this a lot of times in church. That's just a demonic spirit fighting her, and that spirit's going to come out. She's going to be fine, okay? That's why we have power over dem demonic spirits, amen? You are the salt of the earth, okay? But if the salt loses its flavor, how can it be seasoned? If then, if, if it's good for nothing to, but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. If we're not making an impact, church, if we're not impacting other people's lives, what are we doing? That's what the Bible's telling us here. He's saying we, he doesn't want us to just take up space, okay? And so it says we're the light of the world, verse 14. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Okay, Jesus is telling us here that we, are, we have a job and it is to be the light. But going back to that story, sometimes when we think of being a light, how many know that we're in a dark place? We're in a dark world. This world is darkness. This world is fear. This world is doubt. This world is, is uh, situations that are around us. And, and sometimes we feel like, I'm not doing anything. Monday night when we made that call to everybody that prayed, that's doing something. That's, that, that, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so we don't fight these battles physically. What's going on right now out there is not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. Amen? And we have to understand that we are the light of the world. And where there is light, darkness has to flee. And so God is calling us to be that tonight and to make an impact. So I, I know that this is a message from the Lord because the devil's fighting it. Amen? I was excited coming in. I'm excited now. Amen? I know this is something God wants us all to get. Now, there's three people. Stay focused. Amen? Stay focused. Don't let the devil rob you of this message. There's three people in our lives that should impact, have impact in our lives. Three really important people. Number one is Jesus. Okay? He's always number one. He's the one who should have the greatest impact in your life. That's how we know we're saved. How do I know I'm saved? How do I know I'm born again? Jesus is number one. He's your life. He's your answer. He's your breath. He's your everything. And so he has to have the biggest impact. If you're here tonight and Jesus is not the greatest impact in your life, then you are not born again. Okay? I'm not saying that in a mean way. It's just the truth. Jesus has to be number one in your life. And if he's not, then he wants to be. Okay? He wants to be Lord. That's why we say your Lord and your master that means he's in control of everything. That means there's nothing that's more important than him. So that's the, that's the obvious one is Jesus has to be the Lord of our life, and he has to be the major, most important impact in our life. Now, the second one is the person who introduced, introduced you to Jesus. Okay, that's a person who made an impact in your life. Why is that important? Because if somebody didn't impact your life in a way to make you want Jesus to come into your life or to help you realize that you were a sinner, you wouldn't be saved. Okay? So I, I think of, and you've heard my testimony many times, I think I know who the person was who led me to the Lord. That doesn't mean that there wasn't a lot of seeds planted and stuff, but I know who the person was, the evangelist that God used, Chris Clock, who, who God used to speak to me, who impacted my life in such a powerful way that I gave Jesus Christ my life. And, and I can look back now and know that what he did and what he stood for and what he preached and how he lived impacted me in such a way. Tonight, as you're thinking about that, you should know who the person is who impacted your life to accept Jesus. You should, that person should come into your mind. That person should come into your spirit. You should know that person and, 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 and be thankful for the impact that they made on your life, okay? Now, the other one is, this is very important too, the person who is impacting you right now to keep you saved. How I many know right now, the person maybe who led you to the Lord is not necessarily the person who's impacting you now, or it could be the same person, but this is important too, because now somebody is still impacting my life on a daily basis, 
for me to know that what the decision I made is real. Amen? Now, some people can have an impact from one event. One event. Now, I, this, this isn't the, just always the spiritual thing. How many can think of some times in your life where somebody impacted you, and it was just something you remember your whole life? In a good way, right? Like, I can think back to something that many of you might have even heard me quote before. I, I've said before, uh, this baseball coach that I had as a junior in high school, I played baseball, and, and I, I, one time I got hit really hard in the middle section. Okay? And he, he looked over at me, and I wanted some sympathy from my coach because I couldn't breathe. And he looked over, and he said, it's going to feel better when it stops hurting. Amen? How many realize that's, that, I've never forgot that, and if you've ever been around me, and you've hurt yourself, or we've hurt ourselves working or doing, you've heard me quote that. He made an impact on me when he said that, and I've never forgotten. It'll feel better when it stops hurting. And then there's other people, like someone can impact your life in a way through an, an act of kindness or, or a gift or, or an offering. There is a couple in my life. My, one of them is, is in heaven already, and the other one is still alive. My aunt and uncle, you guys know my testimony, my aunt and uncle impacted my life one time and many times since, but one time with an offering that sent me to Costa Rica to learn Spanish. And that impacted my entire life. That impacted many of your lives because of an offering that they gave one time and wrote a checkout. And so you can think back at things in your life, right, as I'm going through this, people who have, and I'm not talking about the negative, again, people who have impacted your life in a positive way who have come in and spoke life to you, who've come in and encouraged you, who've come in and, and, uh, and uh, taught you things, right? That's what the whole reach, teach, send is about. We're, we're, we're constantly being discipled, and we're constantly what? Discipling somebody. We're teaching the things that we have learned to somebody else. Amen? Now, I want to break this down if you'll go to one other area of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Give me an amen when you get there. And as we're getting to this part, I want to I do something real quick. I want to have you, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down, if you can think, I did this with my wife earlier, and she's in the nursery, and so she'll tell me later who it was. I want you to write down two people that come to mind. I've already given you some of mine. And, and, and actually, David, I don't know if that picture's there, and I don't know if they pulled it up or not. Put that picture up. This is, this is if I had to choose one person in my life who's been the greatest impact on me, it would be my pastor, Pastor Jones. That's, that's a picture of us in Africa going, going to Kenya. And that, that if I think back of the one who's been the greatest impact in my life, it's him. I think of all the, how many times I say things, think things, do things, preach things, teach things, and it came from him. Because he made a what? Impact on me. Okay? Thank you for the picture. I just happened to, uh, he actually sent that to me the other day, so I, I was super happy to, to uh, see it. Amen. And so he, there's an impact there. You should be thinking today of somebody who has impacted you and still is impacting you right now. You don't have to let anybody else see it. This is between you and God. This is for you. But I want you to write those people down because you should have people in your life who have impacted you. And you should be really grateful for them. You should be really thankful for them. And then here's the flip side of it. You should want to be that person to somebody else. Okay, that's the key. I, I, it's, it's paying the gospel forward. I was impacted by somebody, and now I'm going to impact 
somebody else. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 14. I'm going to go through to 21. I want you to uh, read this with me, and I want you to watch this, and I want you to think about those people who have impacted you as you think about discipleship. Paul says, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. I'm going to read these scriptures, and I'm going to go back and give you some things to think about. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you, which is exactly what I'm telling you. Watch this. So I urge you to imitate me. I urge you to imitate me. Leave that there just for a second. Go back to that verse. In another part of, the, of, of Paul's writings, he says, imitate me as I imitate others. Is that what he says? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so when someone has impacted you for the gospel, you follow them as long as they follow Jesus. If they ever stop following Jesus, the impact that you, they made on you, you say, thank God, but you stop following them once they stop following Jesus. Okay? But Paul said, as I imitate Christ, I urge you to imitate me in what I'm doing. Now let's go on to the next verse. That's why I have sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. Listen to this. He will remind you of how I follow Jesus Christ. Leave this verse up here. This is so powerful. This is discipleship. He will remind you of how I follow Jesus, meaning Paul is absent. Paul's not there. When somebody's doing it right, when somebody's making a right impact on somebody, they're impacting the person, people around them, even when they're not there. Because the impact that they made on somebody else is impacting them. Okay? That, that's, that's what we have to realize, is if, if I'm doing this the way God wants me to do this, and I have a heart of servanthood, and I have a heart of discipleship, then I'm going to be making an impact. He says, I'm not going to be there. Timothy's going to be there, but he's going to have the same spirit that I have. When you are around discipleship, church, when you are around people and there is the spirit of discipleship going on, you should be learning from people. When you are around, I, I talk like Pastor Jones, I preach like Pastor Jones, I think like Pastor Jones, because I followed him as he follows Christ. And so there's, there's things in me by being around him that I model because he impacted my life or continued to impact my life in the way that Chris Clock did for me to get saved. And, and I've said this over the years, and you realize, as a pastor especially, but this goes down to everyone, I can look back over, over the years, and I can see people who, who did the same thing. They emulated, they followed me as I followed Christ, and, and there's a discipleship there, and there's a growth there, and the gospel goes on, and that's how it's supposed to work. That's part of what Santos mentioned the other night in his testimony about leaving a legacy. That legacy has to do with impact. But I can also look, unfortunately, over the years uh, at people, and, and that's, they're usually not around anymore. It's not that they'd be here. And I, and I can say, man, that person was, was with me for a long time, but they never became like me in how I follow Christ. How many are following what I'm saying? That something's wrong there if there's not a change, if there's not a, a similarity. It's not that they're the exact person. 
but you get an impact on you, and the way they impact you causes you to impact others in the same way. That's why he says, I urge you to imitate me as I imitate Christ. How many are following me? So he says, just as I teach in all the churches, wherever I go. Let's keep reading here. Some of you have become arrogant, thinking that I will not visit you again. But I will come, and soon, if the Lord lets me, and then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. For the kingdom of God, watch this, I chose the New Living Translation, by the way, for this, because this is important. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, but it is living by God's power. Leave that verse up there for a second. I want us to focus on this. This is how you're going to make an impact on somebody. It is not just a lot of talk, right? Don't we talk about that all the time? Talk is cheap. It doesn't cost anything to talk. Talk is cheap. Your marriage is not going to be good. Your relationship with your kids is not going to be good. Your job at, at where you work is not going to be good. Your life is not going to be good. Your walk with God is not going to be good if you are talk and not action. You're never going to make an impact on somebody in a positive way. Remember, folks, on the positive here. If you don't live what you believe. Okay? And so that's very, very important. Let's finish up here. Verse 21. Which do you choose? Should I come with you a rod, with a rod to punish you? Or should I come with, with love and a gentle spirit? Now let me, let me break these down. You guys can go back over them and hopefully read them later. But I'm telling you, this is a, this is a meaty message in the sense of growth and maturity. Okay, God wants to teach us some things. Let me quickly go over this for time. And I want you to write, I know it sounds like a lot, but I'll go through it fast. Okay, six things. Six things that helps you make an impact. And six things that is part of you being a mentor. Paul was a mentor to Timothy. Paul was discipling. Pastor Jones mentored me and discipled me. And now I'm discipling others by what he has taught me. And I've always said this. How many know if it's not broke, don't fix it? I haven't, meant, you know, I haven't mentioned this for a lot of time, and all, everybody that's here, this is, this is the kind of the stuff we talk about on Friday mornings. This is a discipleship 101 message. This is, this is the kind of message that's preached at a conference. I don't know why the Lord led me to preach it tonight, but I know it's supposed to be preached. Okay? Because I know that we're at a place right now where God wants to take us into revival, but he needs some men and women who are mature in the Lord and knew how to walk in the gospel and the truth and the power. Amen? And not just be full of words, but be full of action. And so we need these things. We need mentors. We need people to disciple us. We need people to speak truth to us. So quickly, I'm going to go over this. Write these things down. You need to write these things down in your notes. Number one, a mentor speaks the hard truth. Okay? Now, as I, as I say these things, I'm going to reference a verse. I don't want you to look back at it for time. But you can go back and read those seven verses again because there's a whole message right here in these seven verses. So number one, a mentor speaks the truth. And he, he's, he's bringing that out of, out of vor, verse 14, okay? And so he's, he's saying, 
I'm not writing these things to shame you. I'm going to reference the verse, but don't go there. But to warn you as my beloved children. He's saying, how many know if, if you don't tell someone the truth, you don't truly love them? Right? If you love somebody, you'll tell them the truth. Okay? How many know that's the truth? So a mentor speaks the hard truth. My pastor many times over my time with, with him has spoke to me the hard truth. And then the flip side of having a mentor in your life is that you have to be willing to let the mentor speak into your life and you have to accept what the mentor speaks and not get mad. Otherwise, it's not a mentorship. I'm using mentor for discipleship. They're the same thing, okay? How many are following me? But sometimes if you're new in the Lord, mentor makes more sense. You've heard that more. It's the same thing. That's what Paul says. I urge you to imitate me. I urge you to listen to me. I urge you to follow me and do as I do and, and see the fruit in my life, right? We talked about fruit a couple weeks ago. So that, that part is, is they'll, they'll warn. They'll say, you know, I see this in your life. Uh, I see you making bad decisions. I see you um, repeating things over and over again. And maybe your relationship is destructive or your anger is inappropriate. Or you seem to be pulling back from your church family. You seem to be isolating yourselves. And so we're, we're saying all these things in a way where we're mentoring that person or discipling that person. But here's the key. Here's the key. Maybe you've never heard me say this, but if you've been here very long, you would have. I want you to write this down. Here's the key to all six, but mostly this one. Because what I just said, I'm going to say in a second, what I just said is very important because we... We, we, we can look at somebody and say, look, I see something in your life that's wrong. I see you going down a wrong path. I see you missing church. I see you isolating yourself. I see this. I see that. We can have that attitude. But people do not care how much you know till they, okay, fact, Amen. You can, you can speak till you're blue in the face, but if you don't have a relationship with that person, they're not going to hear you. If you don't love them, if you don't talk to them other than the time that you tell them that you want to say something to them, there's no relationship there. Okay, y'all with me? So it's very important if you're going to be warning or speaking truth to somebody or want to make an impact on somebody, your impact is not going to be just rebuke. Because as many times as my pastor has rebuked me, he has also comforted me, he's also encouraged me, he's also loved on me, he's also treated me good, and those things make me want to listen to him. Right? Number two, a mentor or a discipler gives their heart away. Gives their heart away. Now I'm just going to stay here for just a second because... Here's why a lot of people don't do things for, for God and don't make an impact. Because how many know when you give your heart away, guess what happens? It gets stomped on. And what happens is a lot of people say, hey, I, I like this idea of making an impact on somebody. That sounds good. Lots of times... Pastors and, 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 their, and their men and women get up at a conference and get excited about going out and starting a church and everything, and they don't realize that their heart's going to get stomped on. And, and sometimes maybe we don't do a good job of telling them that. Right? We make it too easy. We had, we had a great time at our rally Sunday night. And listen, I'm not saying this to retract what you guys did. 
Not at all. We had 11 couples come up here and say if God spoke to them, they would go start a church. 11 couples. We want to plant more churches because that's, that's what our call is. What our vision is. Right? It's not reach, teach. It's reach, teach, send. So that's our vision. But we have to realize if I'm going to be a discipler, I've got to give my heart away. And, and when the impact stops, when the discipleship stops, is when I pick my heart back up and take it back. Fully. Okay? When I say that, I mean fully. Why is it so quiet in here? Because this is good preaching, huh? This is mature preaching. This is growth preaching. And it doesn't mean you're not tempted to pick your heart back up. doesn't mean you're not tempted to, to say, forget this. But once you do pick that heart back up and put it back in, doesn't mean you can't put it back out again. But as long as you have your heart back and you're not willing to give it away, you're not making an impact. You have to be willing to give your heart away. What that means is if you look at that same verse later, don't look at it now, in verse 14 when he's preaching there, he says, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. He says, you're my children. I love you. He has put his heart out there. And, and he realizes that when he puts his heart out there, some people are going to stomp on his heart. Some people are not going to accept that. Some people are not going to be thankful for it. Some people are going to forget. Amen? So we have to be willing to do it, though. And I'm talking to you from experience. Many times where I've just been like, God, I can't, I, don't, I can't. But then God says, if you don't do that, if you don't put your heart out there again, then I can't use you. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be willing. Because he said, that's what I did. Didn't Jesus do that? Didn't Jesus lay it all down? He says, follow me as I follow Christ. Number three, a discipler or a mentor makes a way for others. He, he, he makes a path. He goes before. That comes out of verse 16. If you want to write that down, you can look, at, look back at it later. Paul's words leave people uncomfortable. But the truth is, we can't be, don't do as I say, do as I do. I mean, we have to be that way. We can't be, don't do as I, as I do, do as I say, right? Isn't that what a lot of people do? Like we've given the example before, if you're a parent and you don't want your kids to smoke, you better not smoke. You don't want your kids to drink, you better not drink. You don't want kids to cuss, you better not cuss. Because you're sitting there holding a cigarette and saying, don't smoke because it's going to give you cancer. They're not going to listen to that. And sometimes the people, kids are smart enough to see past that and say, you know what? I'm not doing that because I see you coughing every time you talk. But how many get what I'm saying? We can't be a don't do as I, as I do, do as I say. We have to be a do as I do people. We have to be people who are making the way. Meaning that if I'm not, ju I'm not just going to say, hey, you know what? We should have a prayer meeting. We should, listen, this is what a lot of churches have. We should have a prayer meeting. We should do an outreach. We should do this, and we should do that, and we should go there. We should go here, but they don't ever go, do, or pray. How many get what I'm saying? 
ideas are a dime a dozen. Everybody can see right now what in, in certain situations what's going on, but what are you going to do about it? Everybody can see the problem, but who's going to be the solution? So it's easy to say, man, this world's messed up. Yes, it is, but what are you going to do about it? A spiritual leader, a mentor, a discipler is not just talking about it, but he's doing it or she's doing it. Calling a prayer meeting, saying we need to pray by praying. We need to outreach by doing outreach. I'm not just going to talk about forgiveness. I'm going to show you what forgiveness looks like. I'm not just going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to show you what Jesus looks like. I'm not just going to talk about how to have a good marriage. I'm going to try to show you how to have a good marriage. I'm not going to talk to you about how to give. I'm going to try to show you how to give. All these different things, they have to come from example. Everything I've learned from my pastor was learned by action, not words. I'm going to get what I'm saying. So a, a mentor or a discipler uh, paves the way and makes ways for others. He opens the door. It's the next one, number four. A mentor, not he paves the way, but he doesn't just pave the way to lead. He paves the way to eventually let that person pass by. I'm going to be totally honest with you here tonight. That's my, my, my real heart, and God knows it. That's my real heart. My real heart is to see other men do greater things for God than I've done. That's my real heart. So I want to lead, and I want to pave the way. Then I want to open the door, and I want to watch them go through, and I want to help them go, go through. But that's, that's, that's their job to go through. Right? How many times in your life has someone opened the door for you? And all you had to do was go through. And a lot of times we don't even go through. Like I opened the door for you. I paved the way for you. Go through. So that's what a leader does. That's what a, a mentor does. That's what a discipler does. And that comes out of verse 17. He says, I've sent Timothy. We read that part there. I've sent Timothy. When I, when I get up on, or on a Wednesday night, if I have some guys get up here and preach or somebody else preaches, I'm not sitting back being lazy. I'm trying to give other people an opportunity to learn how to learn like I did. Because they're never going to be able to make an impact in people's lives if they don't have a chance to fail. A chance to mess up. A chance to fumble over their words. A chance to read the wrong scripture. A chance to make mistakes. And guess what, guys? You're going to make them all your life. And you're never going to stop. You're going to keep on making mistakes, but you're going to do it for the Lord and His glory. You're going to make a difference on some people's lives. You're going to impact some people's lives. Ladies and gentlemen, how many in here want to make an impact on somebody's life for eternity? Amen? How many know what we're talking about tonight is not for a few weeks, but it is for eternity? Number five. Make sure I don't have anything else there on four. Number five. A mentor or a discipler shares biblical wisdom. And when I, and listen, I'm just giving these examples. Pastor Paul is my pastor now, but I'm giving the example of the impact that Pastor Jones made on me. Pastor Paul is still discipling me, and I still learn from him, but it's been a very short time. So I'm talking about the impact that Pastor Jones made on me. When I would go to a pastor's meeting, every word he says, 
And you know what? It's the same way here in church. You know who the overcomers are? The ones who they hang on the word of God. They're listening. They're paying attention. They're not just here filling a seat. They're like, God, I want you to use me. God, I want you to do something in my life. And, and they're actually taking notes, and then they're actually going to fulfill those notes, and they're actually going to work on those notes, and they're going to do something. I cannot be for you what God wants you to be. I can only be for me what God wants me to be. And I see how men have impacted my life. Now I want to impact others that way. You should look back and see how women and men have impacted your lives. And you should say, I want to do the same thing for others. But you have to hang on those words. You have to listen to the wisdom. That's, I'm just going to say this. And Pastor Mario and Dionzo are here as witnesses tonight. We, we, we've, over the years, as we've been growing our church, the reason we've grown this church to what it is today is because we, I didn't go and change what I learned. It's the truth. I just did what they did. I'd have times when we were in Costa Rica and Pastor Jones would come over, and some of you heard me say this, and, 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 and he would tell me things. You know, you could do this different, you could do this. But he didn't just do it. He did it because I asked him. And he could have just done it. But I went to him and said, is there pastors, what can we do better? What can we change? What, what, you know, I, wanna, I, want, I, I see what you have. I want to have that. I used to sit at conferences and, and watch these men get up and thank Pastor Jones for the impact they had, he had made on their lives. And I'd sit there and say, God, someday I want to make that impact on people's lives that he has made on so many people's lives. So they'd say, why is it that every time Pastor Jones comes to Costa Rica, you change stuff? And I said, because I'm smart. Because he's been around a long time. And he's, I said, there's nothing. I told one guy one time, and he was, a, he was a, uh, a rebellious guy anyways. But he needed to hear it more, even more so. I told him, do you think that there's anything, anything in 40-something years of ministry Pastor Jones hasn't seen? Did you know that the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun? I've been doing this for 28 years, and the more you save, the more longer you're in it, the more you realize nothing's new. All these fads and all these things that come along, they're going to pass. But the one thing that's going to stay the same is the Word of God. Amen? Casting out demons, praying for the sick, loving people, preaching Jesus, getting people saved is what's going to stay. All this other stuff is going to come and go fads and modern and this and that and whatever it's gonna go but the simple things the wisdom the preaching the gospel and loving people is not ever gonna change so I said that that's why we change things and and the reason we've been successful here the reason this church has grown so much is because I listen to the words of wisdom and not only do I listen to the words of wisdom on uh, the things you should do I learn on the things I shouldn't do. You know how much, how much uh, and listen, I'm not afraid for you to call me. You know how much trouble you'd save yourself if you would call me sometimes and ask me what I think before you make a decision? Not after you did it, so I can fix your problem? Or, or fix what you said? Or fix what you did? When I go to make a big decision in this church, I call ahead and I say, here, you know, we're thinking about doing this right now. What do you think? Why, do I, why would I waste my time and, and effort and resources on something that's not going to work, that's already been tried? 
Come on, somebody. Impact. You want to make an impact? These are spirits that you got to have. There's a lot of meat right here in these verses. Finally, number six. A mentor isn't afraid, and I'm going to say this nicely, to kick you in the seat of your pants. Isn't afraid to tell you what you need to hear. If I'm hard on you sometimes, or you think I'm so straightforward with you sometimes, or even maybe mean to you sometimes, you think, it's because I love you. Because I want to see you make it for God. And everything that I'm teaching you, I learned. And I'm telling you, I thank God for all the times my pastor gave me a kick in the seat of the pants when I needed it. And I thank God for the times he gave me a kick in the seat of the pants when I did need it. It goes back to when my dad was raising me. He said, I said, Dad, I didn't do anything wrong. He said, I'm going to spank you anyways for the next time you do it. Right? I mean, no, I turned out okay. My dad whooped me. How long has it been since I told you to whoop your kids? Has it been a while? If you have any young kids in here, spank your kids on the butt. Hard and a long time till they, till they cry. Come on. You got young kids. Don't come to me when they're 15 say, Pastor, they won't listen to me. Because if you don't spank them right now, if you spare that rod, you're going to spoil that child. God gave him a soft butt for a reason. Amen? I'm telling you, don't get, get mad at me if you want. Get mad and go put them in timeout. They're going to be in timeout for a long time. One day we get behind bars. That timeout's going to last a long time. Come on. It's the truth. Spare the rod, spoil the child. I hadn't talked about it for a while, so I, I always get excited when I get a chance to mention it. I used to tell my daughters, now she's a police officer, I can't can't do it as much as I, I, I still spank you, I care how old you are, amen, how many know that you, we need to be kicked in the pants sometimes, but it's in love, you know when someone does that, it, it, it doesn't show they don't love you, it shows they love you enough to take the time to say, you know, I see something, but here, it goes back to the last thing I'm saying, Re, rehash everything, it doesn't matter anything if you don't love that person, if my pastor didn't show me love and balance, then I never would have, would have been able to receive the, the criticism and the correction. But he would tell me he loved me. He would tell me he believed in me. He would tell me, go get some rest. He would tell me, God's got this in control. He'd, he'd tell me, go love your wife. He'd tell me, all, all these things you hear me say is because of the impact that my pastor had on me. And I want to make that impact on you. How many want to make an impact tonight? Amen. Father, we thank you for the power of impact. Influencing someone in such a way that they'll be changed from it, Father. Lord, I know there's some men and some women in this place tonight who want to have a strong effect on somebody else. And maybe it's, most of the time, Lord, it is quiet. Like that man in the forest. He just did his job every day. I, I want to say as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed tonight, I want to thank so many of you that are in this place that you just do what you're supposed to do. 
The reason God's moving so much in our church and God's blessing so much and, and there's such a great spirit here is because so many of you just do what you're supposed to do. You just do the right thing over and over again. And you're not looking for credit. You're not looking for, you're just doing it right. Just like that man in the forest. He just went and moved those twigs and cleaned the water and just did his job. And nobody knew he was doing it, but he was keeping that place beautiful. Watch this. Stay with me. Keep your, keep your spirit here. But he could sit back every night on his rocking chair at his house and look out and see all those happy tourists. See that beautiful water. And know in his heart that what he was doing was making an impact. Come on, stay with me. And then, not only that, when he got fired, when he lost his job, he was doing such a good job and knew that he was doing the right thing that he thought in his spirit, they'll call me back because I know what I mean to that forest. If you're doing it right tonight, you might be going through a struggle, you might be going through a season, you might be going through some problems, but if you're doing it right, you can know right is going to turn out right. God will bring it back around again. If I can tell you anything tonight after all my years of experience, if, you, if you'll just do the right thing, and love God, and love His Word, and just be committed and take correction and have the heart of a disciple God will use you and you'll make an impact on somebody's life. I know without a doubt some people in this place tonight are going to take this message to heart. And if it was just one, it'd be worth it. Just one, it'd be worth it. Father, I thank you for ministering and speaking to us tonight on this Wednesday night. Lord, this is what we need. Straightforward preaching, challenging preaching, preaching that makes an impact on us. Oh, God, I thank you for the people over my life who have made an impact on me. I thank you for them. Lord, as I ask these people tonight to write some names down, I pray that they did that, and I pray, God, that they are often thankful for those men or women who made an impact in their life. That's my prayer. Because, Lord, I remember the people who made a difference in my life, and I thank you for them, God. Because I wouldn't be able to be where I am today, doing what I'm doing, little or small, big, whatever it is, without those people making an impact on me. Thank you for my pastor. Thank you for that evangelist. Thank you for my aunt and uncle. Thank you for my parents. Thank you for my grandparents who were such great examples and impacted my life. Thank you, Father. Help me tonight to continue to be a man and a father and a leader people can follow, Father, and that people will know that my heart is pure and I just want to see them make it for God. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this place, how many tonight could be honest with the Lord and say, Pastor, I know about him, but I don't know him. I know who he is, but he's not Lord tonight. Meaning he's not number one. He's not the greatest impact in my life. If, you, if you're wondering if you're saved and you're born again and you're right, when I asked, is Jesus the greatest impact in your life and you couldn't say yes to that, that's proof you need Jesus tonight. He should be number one on your list. He doesn't have to be. He just should be. You, you can put whoever you want on that list. 
But if you have an athlete or a singer or an actor or some famous person or anybody else besides Jesus, I got news for you. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose their soul? You must put your faith in the one who can take you over to the other side. And that's Jesus. Quickly, if you're here, young, old, been around a long time, been here a short time, you don't know Jesus, just put your hand up. Say, pray for me, Pastor. Tonight, Jesus is going to become number one. Jesus is going to become Lord of my life all over this place. Amen. Lord of my life all over this place. Praise God. Maybe you're backslidden, running, running from the Lord. Oh, I got time. I'll do it next week. I'll do it next month. Tomorrow's not promised. You listen online, tomorrow's not promised. Say this prayer with us tonight. Get your right heart right with God tonight. Jesus could come back tonight. Jesus could take us home. Oh, if you think this rioting going on is something, it's nothing compared to the tribulation that's coming. We don't say that to scare you. We say that to warn you because we love you. Get your heart right. Get your eyes off this world. Get your eyes off the things of this world. Get your heart on Jesus tonight. Amen. If that's you. Say this prayer with me. Let's stand all over this place. I want to say a prayer again. Don't, don't ever get tired of saying the sinner's prayer because it's, it's rejuvenation. It's rededication. It's, it's saying, Lord, I'm, I, again, I just want to renew my vows that my faith is in you. I don't believe I'm getting saved every time I say this prayer. I'm just rededicating my vows make sure he knows he's number one. As someone on that, on that podcast might be listening, someone, someone in here might need to know how to lead someone to the Lord. You ever thought about all the times we've said the sinner's prayer, if you'd pay attention, you could actually lead someone to the Lord. That's what I said. It, 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 it's sad, but it, it would crack me up over the years when I'd see disciples get up and couldn't do an altar call. And, and I, and I watch, watch this. Stay with me for a second. How many give me just a couple more seconds here? No? Okay, I'll stop. Just kidding. You know I'm going to speak anyways. My pastor would tell, tell us all these years, he'd say, when you give an altar call, say, how many people all over this place need Jesus? Doesn't that sound right? How many people all over this place need Jesus? You know what that does? That makes everybody a sinner. When you get up and you give an altar call and you say, is there one? All of a sudden, everybody feels like the only sinner. And you're not going to see fruit that way. When you say, how many all over this place need Jesus? Then everybody says, oh, we're all messed up in here. We all need help. I'm not the only loser in here. Now, so those are things that those are what they call trade secrets. So guys, if you want to preach someday, listen to the altar calls. Pay attention. Take notes. Don't sit back and cross your arms because you're not going to have any messages to preach. You know what Pastor Dylan gets to do all the time? He gets to open up his notebook and preach messages that I preach because he took notes. You know what I get to do? I get to open my notebook. I, I don't do it a lot, but I get to open my notebook sometimes when I feel like the heavens are shut off. I can't hear God say anything to me. I can open up a notebook and preach one of Pastor Jones' messages because I took notes. Amen? One of y'all is going to get this tonight. All I need is one. It'd be worth me coming. Amen. Let's say this prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you tonight. I'm a sinner. I'm lost, and I know that you're the Savior. I confess with my mouth, and I believe in my heart, 
Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Wash me clean with your precious blood. I put my faith wholeheartedly in who you are. The author and the finisher of my faith. Jesus, make me a new creation. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to open up the altars. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a big praise. We're going to open up the altars. Let's find a place to pray. Let's ask God how we can be a mentor, how we can make an impact, how we can open the door, how we can pave a way, how we can listen, how can we can have a spirit of understanding and teachability, how I can affect somebody else's life in a positive way so that they'll live the gospel, preach the gospel, walk the gospel. Hallelujah. Come on, find a place. Talk to the Lord tonight, wherever you are. How can you make an influence on your kids, Mom? Dad, how can you make an influence? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the Spirit of God that's in this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, I want you to make that your prayer. How can I make an impact? How can I make an impact on somebody's life tonight? How can I make a difference? How can I make a difference? Oh, Jesus, help me. Help me to be a mentor. Help me to be an example. Help me to be a helper to somebody else, Jesus.